So what I want to know is, how is it that three times Eddie Van Halen managed to find guys who kind of have the same exact singing style? That real, like, yeah, high-pitched, <laughs> that nasally, real raspy. Yeah. That. How did he do that? Three times. <laughs> Fucking luck. He was really lucky. But honestly, I don't think David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar have that similar voices. Yeah, you can just, tell. Like, sometimes. Just David Lee Roth's straight singing voice is slightly raspy. When he tries to hit those high notes is when he can't do it. Mm. And really, mm. then the rasp comes out. But you know, oh, we'll get to that <laughs> in today's episode of... Van Roth versus Van Hagar. Welcome to Rock Candy. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And welcome to your weekly little sweet treats of rock music knowledge or just general music knowledge. And this week, we will be talking about Van Halen, but not just talking about Van Halen. We're going to be debating between who was the superior frontman, Van Roth or Van Hagar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also would like to say that this episode pairs quite well with uh, Victory's Hop Devil IPA. I also suggest throwing a little lemon in there to subtle the hoppy taste a little bit because yeah. we are not hop people. We are not hop ladies. We're trying, though. Yeah. Trying counts. <laughs> trying counts. Trying counts. Oh, and if you even ask about Gary Sharon, our response is going to be Gary who? Gary who? But you know what? Okay. So this is kind of the same deal with ACDC because when Bon Scott died, mm. you know he had that very distinctive voice. Yes. They ended up finding a second singer who sounded exactly, exactly. like Bon Scott. Exactly. How? I forgot How the guy's do? name, but he was also a very fantastic vocalist. Yeah. But where the fuck do you find them? Yeah. There's just a couple times in music history where musicians just lucked out and found, oh, this guy sounds exactly yeah. like the other guy. So I'm just going to. But you know what's kind of funny? Um, when David Lee Roth exited the band mm -hmm. <laughs> under whatever circumstances we'll get into, um, uh, what's his face? Eddie. Actually, he asked Patty Smith oh. to front. She said no. Also asked smartly. <laughs> also asked Daryl Hall. To front the van. I want to live in the alternate universe where, where that Daryl happens. Hall is the lead singer of Van Halen. I, oh. I'm sorry, I cannot. Van Hall. It's <laughs> a bit much amazing. different debate. I hope that someday that they will just get together and just do a one-off. Just and that, do it. Just for me. Just fuck around. Just for me. It was so good. Oh, so good. <laughs> well, I will be taking the side of Van Hagar. I am Sammy. taking David Lee Roth. Yes. For, I picked this solely for nostalgia purposes. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that was the correct choice, but we'll get into we'll, it. We'll get, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get into and it. And I will, so we're going to break this up in three different parts, and our first part is going to be just kind of going over the basic history of each artist with the band. So I'm going to let Ashley start with what Dave was like in Van Halen. <laughs> or I guess what I think Van we all Roth know was what like. Dave was, was like in Van Halen. <laughs> what his history was in Van Halen. For well, those who don't know. <laughs> well, Dave actually joined Van Halen in 1972. Hmm. I I personally forget that Van Halen started in the 70s because yeah. I instantly go to the 80s. Yeah. Instantly. 1984. It's a great album. Right. That's of, what you think of. Right. Exactly. But they actually um, formed in, well, 
Was it 1972? I may have that wrong. Now that I'm thinking about it. Irregardless. It was the 70s at least. It was the 70s at least. Early mid-70s at least. But anyway, Dave met Eddie Van Halen and Alex Van Halen at Pasadena City College where he was studying music theory. And he joined Van Halen when they were the Trojan Rubber Company. Oh, I, I wonder sorry. what that's a reference from. Oh, I don't know. For, for clever boys. <laughs> they actually only invited Dave into the band because he had a sound system that the Van Halen brothers were renting from him. Mm-hmm. And it was cheaper to have him in the band <laughs> than to keep renting it from him. If if my knowledge serves me correctly, wasn't Dave from a pretty well-to-do family yes, and could his, just afford all of the his, stuff? His dad was a renowned... I always screw this word up, so I hope I say it right. Ophthalmologist? Close enough! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> or eye surgeon. <laughs> and he actually had quite a bit of money. They lived in a mansion in Pasadena that was called uh, Rothwood. They oh literally God. named it after Stop. themselves. Yeah. So Dave had Dave came from money. And yeah. From the beginning, he always had those crazy flamboyant outfits and the spandex and everything. Oh, yeah. Because he could afford it. And he had this pretty sweet sound system because his dad bought it for him, basically. Yet, I mean, they didn't really even want him in the band because he auditioned a couple times and he didn't impress them very much. But he's got that sweet sound system. Yeah. They're like, but we really need that sweet sound system. (laughs) So he ended up joining the band anyway, and they were known as a real backyard party band. Mm-hmm. They played a lot of parties, a lot of keggers, a lot of clubs, and it was all self-promotion. Until one day, Gene Simmons actually discovered oh, them, kind Gene of. Gene Simmons just walking around. Just walking around. these guys? Well, I mean, they were in Pasadena, California, mm-hmm. so it's, I think it's just... That was the scene. Yeah, I think that's just outside Los Angeles, right? Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. We don't know California. We live in New York. (laughs) We don't know. Sorry. (laughs) But Gene actually recorded their demos, their first demos, and he sent it off to um, his management team. But the management team was like, this is shit. Oh. We don't want it. They're not going to go anywhere. You're done. (laughs) <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> but shortly after that, um, two executives from Warner Brothers Records saw them play at like just a really shitty, really small show, and they were really impressed. And within a week, they gave them a record contract. Ooh, lucky! Very lucky. They signed the record contract, busted out their self-titled first album, yeah, and then went on tour to support it. And that was in 1978, yes. I believe. Yep. So. While they were on this first tour, it was a year long. It was very grueling. I think they were supporting, I can't remember who they were supporting in the U.S., but in the U.K. they were supporting um, Black Sabbath. Oh, and that's exciting. They started building their reputation, and Ozzy Osbourne actually was really impressed and often said that they blew Black Sabbath off the stage what? every night. Which is kind of a nice thing. Yeah, that's a that's a goddamn and that was, compliment. And that was before Ozzy went completely bonkers. So was that before the bat? No. Oh, I don't know. We'll look that up later. I don't remember. You can I, Google we, it while you listen. We folks. haven't we haven't done an Ozzy Osbourne episode yet. Yeah, we're I don't too know. we're too fledgling. <laughs> we haven't hit Ozzy yet, guys. But 
During this tour, they started gaining a reputation for, like, the hedonistic and very sexually explicit behavior and their antics while they were on the road. There were groupies everywhere. They were doing drugs. There was coke everywhere because 70s and coke. Yup. As we learned with Fleetwood Mac. Yes. Go together. God, coke is so great with coke. Or coke is so good with rock and roll. (laughs) And David Lee Roth basically became a ringmaster. Of yep. this crazy circus. And it showed. Yeah. And uh, he, he eventually he just ended up becoming known for groupies yep. and just being crazy. Yeah. And he ended up having this thing called the Diamond Dave's Bonus Program. <sighs> I don't even want to know. It sounds as barfy as you think. <laughs> it is it as is barfy, barfy as, as it sounds. sounds. Good. Yeah. So he encouraged roadies to gather women from the audience that they thought Dave would like to sleep with. And each roadie got five backstage passes to hand out to women that they saw in the audience. Whichever roadie handed out the pass to the woman that Dave chose that evening got $100. And the article I read this on actually, quote unquote, it increased crew efficiency, cutting the time it took to tear down at the end of the night in half. Uh, this is the incentive to do your job. Okay. It was the 70s. It was a different time. Yeah. And and at this point, it was like into the 80s. And yeah. A different time. It was still a different time. Until about three years ago, it was a different time. Basically. <laughs> like- <laughs> and he also there were also rumors he had uh, an all- little person security team and there was a rumor that he insured his own dick for a million dollars okay yeah and it was i don't know david lee roth's a character he's a character but at the same time doing this research just like slowly killed my my love for him i do see a bruise where you face palmed a lot apparently five fingers right on my forehead like oh fuck like yeah like when i was a kid just a gigolo was like it was fun it was my jam yeah we had the 45 (laughs) yay my sister and i played it on our fisher price turntable over and over and over again along with the chipmunk song and (laughs) thriller and it was it was my song. And then even as I got older, every time it came on, I'm like, yes, this is my jam. Because you're a kid. You're like, I don't know what a gigolo yeah, is. I don't, I don't understand that David Lee Roth is a toxic human this being. This is just a clown is- with crazy hair and tight spandex. He's amazing. Look, Dr. Roxo is such <laughs> a fucking spot on representation oh, yeah. of David Lee Roth. Absolutely. Spot on. Yeah. But just, yeah, like, Reading all of these stories about basically how he just exploited women constantly. Granted, they were there. That's yeah. what they wanted it to do. It was their choice. It, it wasn't was like their he choice. did inappropriate, like, on the level of that they didn't like right. it. Right. But it wasn't even just that. It was all of his interviews. He's just, like, basically jerking himself off. Yeah. In every, it's a little... Every single interview. <laughs> it's a little just, much. It's a little bit much. <laughs> so there's no way that this could have 
You know, there's no way this could have gone badly for no, anybody for Van in Van Halen. Halen. Yeah, they Not were all, all really supportive about this, yeah. right? I mean, Eddie was totally fine yeah. with the fact that David Lee Roth was insane yep. and an egomaniac. And, and, an egomaniac oh, yeah. and a crazy cartoon character. Yeah, this went yeah. fine. This was fine. Yeah, you know, one of the greatest guitarists of all time was completely fine with the fact that his lead singer was batshit insane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so rifts started to happen what you don't say you don't say <laughs> <laughs> and uh the first rift or the the first real big sign that there was a rift start starting to form was in 1979 during the photo shoot for the cover of women and children first mm-hmm. uh david claims in his autobiography that the famed photographer Helmut Newton was hired to only take photos of him in relation to um, taking photos for the album cover. Oh. And the band, of course, naturally says differently, which seems to be a theme with this band. Huh. It's <laughs> is almost as if singer they can't says, agree on a story. It's like singer says one thing, band says another thing all the time. <laughs> but they said that it was supposed to happen differently that the photographer was hired by Warner Brothers to take photos of the entire band for which the album Which makes sense. Cover, which makes sense. Because, to be honest, why would a, a record company hire a photographer to take a photo of one member of a whole band? Right. I understand David had this persona at this point. Mm-hmm. But, but Eddie's it, still really talented. Right. You know, the, the whole band was it's definitely band, appreciated. And it's supposed to be a, a photo shoot for an album cover. Right. Didn't make, that doesn't make sense to no. me. So a photo shoot was set up at Dave's home and Dave proceeded to hijack the shoot before the other band members got there. You don't say. You don't say. And he had the photographer take pictures of him shirtless in leather pants Chained to a fence with his arms above his head. What? I have this album, the original. Oh. And it still has this poster in it. It is magnificent. (laughs) It is a sight to behold. Like, if you just fucking Google it and you will be like, oh, shit. Oh, hello. Hey, Dave. (laughs) And then you're like, all right, I get why all these women lined up. I, yeah, well, I it mean, makes sense. He was a really good looking guy. He, he was, was fit and he wore fucking tight pants. Mm. Like, and in the 70s and 80s, tight pants were it. Yeah. I mean, at this point in the late 70s and early 80s, he was, it was still fashionable. Once he started getting into his solo career and he was still wearing this stuff and he started just adding more shit, like more fucking tails and geegaws and all that what? shit. Then he started looking crazy. Yeah. And (laughs) I'm I'm going off on a tangent here. So the other band members came to the shoot in the middle of this photo session, pissed off that they had started the shoot without them. Yeah. And that was like the first crack, crack in the pavement there. That's fair. But then tensions came to a head after their album 1984 was released. Dave wanted to go in a more pop direction. Right. Whereas Eddie wanted to stick with the, like, tried-and-true rock, guitar-driven, hard rock kind of direction. Right. Which is understandable. That's the kind of band that they are. And granted, a lot of their music, especially with David Lee Roth, was very pop-driven. 
because that's who David was. Right. But uh, totally understandable. They want to stick with guitars instead of doing like a whole album of just a gigolo. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you know, I think I think Eddie was on to something. Y- yeah, I I have to side with Eddie on that. On this one, this one, one thing. thing. I'll give him that. <laughs> I'll give him that. But the reasons for their breakup really depended on who you talk to. Also a theme with this band throughout the years. Yeah, I've seen that happen a couple times. <laughs> they stayed together for another few or another year or so, I believe, after 1984 came out. Mm-hmm. And then in early 1985, Eddie and Dave met at Dave's ma- mansion in Pasadena to talk about a follow-up to 1984 and touring after that. And apparently Dave was angry that Eddie was playing music in his own studio. He had just built this studio, Studio 5150. Oh, okay. And he was writing a lot of music himself in his own studio without the other band members, and Dave didn't like that. I don't like that. Which, I I guess I get that, but... But they're also getting bigger. You might want more options as far as recording goes. It sounds pretty standard that a lot of bands will have more than one studio to work in. Right. So, I mean, I wouldn't get too upset about it. Yeah, but at the same time, I can kind of understand where Dave's coming from, because... If Eddie goes into that studio by himself, writes all these songs from start to finish, and then right. just brings them to the band members and is like, I want to play these songs, take it or leave it. Where does that leave Dave? Right. That means all the other three members are either say yes or fucking fight about it. Right. You know? Uh, Dave was also angry with Eddie on his increasing dependence on drugs. Hmm. And Eddie was angry with Dave over this solo career that he was trying to get going because at that point (laughs) he had, uh, I think he had already released his, he had a four song EP of covers called uh, crazy from the heat. Right. Um, And this is where just a gigolo and California girls. Right. It was a very small, more, excuse me, more of like an experiment on the side of Dave. Yeah. Not a full out solo. Right. Cause he, put out a full-on solo album later after yes. um, he parted ways with Van Halen. And that was called Edom and... Oh, totally already forgot. Edom and something. Edom and something. Edom and something. Um, we're, we're killing Eddie... Or, uh, we're killing David Lee Roth fans right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> totally. Oh, well. <laughs> so, yeah, he he started this solo career... And he also wanted to make a movie, mm. also called Crazy from the Heat. And Dave even asked Eddie to write the music for the movie. Oh, that's nice. Not to Eddie. Eddie was pissed. <laughs> he was pissed You're off. You're a fucking rock star. What are you doing? Yeah. So when Eddie said no, apparently all talk stopped at that point. And Dave said, I can't work with you guys anymore. I want to do my movie. Maybe when I'm done, we'll get back together. Oh, whether that was an official quitting of the band, who knows? who knows, depends on who you talk to. Because then I'm sure Eddie just says, he left, but then Dave's all, he fired, no, me. fired me. Yeah. I, I know. I know. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a so, theme in Van Halen. <laughs> the band stayed mum on the subject of a breakup for months, but then while they were not talking about a breakup, Eddie was auditioning new singers while Dave was off doing his solo thing. But they also weren't communicating to each other 
So nobody <sighs> really officially said that they had quit or they had gotten kicked out, but they were auditioning new lead singers. It was like Dave an was unspoken breakup. It's like fucking bickering children. They ghosted each other. They, they really ghosted each other, really. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the internet was nowhere near existing, nope. they completely... They ghosted Easier each to other. ghost somebody, I guess. So easy to ghost people in the 80s. Yeah. So, then in August, Eddie told Rolling Stone, The band as you know it is over. Dave left to be a movie star. Twelve years of my life putting up with this bullshit. Ah! Uh-huh. David says he thought the split was amicable and was shocked when he read those statements from Eddie. And actually, I I watched a video of like a press conference with Dave, like right after um, he heard what Eddie said to him. Yeah. He was so pissed. He's <laughs> like, he was basically like, these motherfuckers say all this shit to, about me and they can't even say it to my face. And then I got to wake up and read it in a magazine. And they didn't say anything to me. I didn't know I was out of the band. He just went on for like five minutes. Just so laying into him. Hilarious. Oh my god. So Eddie later said that he wanted to quit. And then he says one thing about Roth. He's not half the singer Sammy is, but he is creative. I'm not slagging him about the music. On stage he was fine. It was off stage that he made having a human relationship impossible. Yeah. And I kind of want to say, in addition to that point, I completely understand where Eddie's coming from. Right. Because just, just watching videos of David Lee Roth and like listening to audio of him talking, and he's, he now does a podcast currently, mm-hmm. and I've tried listening to a couple episodes of it. I completely understand where Eddie's coming from right? because I would not be able to be in the same room with David Lee Roth. No. And not fucking strangle him. Yeah. It's just, it is. Eddie was torn between, do I want to keep up this band or do I want to go to jail for homicide? Right. I don't know. Pretty much. But just listening to him, he is just, he can't hold one thought down and like finish a thought. Right. He just. Keeps going, 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 and doesn't stop talking. Can you imagine? No. 12 years, no. day in and no. day out. And you go on tour man. with this guy. You're you on record tour with, with this guy. You Everything. And this was back in the day when you're shitting out two albums a year. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. So you're spending a lot of time with these people. Yeah. And on top of that, Eddie and Alex are at each other's throats all the time. The oh. only person that's not, like wanting to strangle someone is the bassist michael anthony who we'll get to it but he gets real shit on oh he, he does he really oh, does I, I feel real bad for him michael anthony really puts up with the with the lion's share of bullshit oh yeah in Van Halen. and he takes it like a man he really does he's like <laughs> all right i know i'm the bassist i know everyone's gonna laugh at me all right yeah i think he has a sense of um some kind of perception that the other members of the band don't have. Like maturity? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Sense of responsibility. Yeah. It's uh, like, all right. Uh, something like that. Good for you, Michael Anthony. Yeah. But um, it, I feel like the feud between David Lee Roth and Eddie in particular. Yeah. 
and Alex to a certain extent. Because right. Alex is kind of like Eddie's hype guy. Alex is kind of the the resting bitch face of the group, I feel like. <laughs> he kind of stands in the corner and he talks shit about everybody behind their backs. And he'll always side with Eddie, which of course. arguably brothers, you gotta do that. Yeah. But I feel like... He's really catty in that as well. Yeah. Like, he's like, I fucking hate everybody. Yeah. That's why I feel like he's kind of like Eddie's hype man. Because right. Eddie will go off and talk shit about everybody. And he'll be like, yeah. 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 Yup. <laughs> That's right. Eddie said. <laughs> oh, poor, poor baby doesn't have a mind of his own. No. After he left, he had his kind of solo thing. The movie deal, surprise, surprise, completely fell through. What? So he never ended up... Uh, making that movie which i in some ways am sad right but also i'm very glad that he did not make that movie yeah that um, wouldn't have i don't think that would have ended well for him yeah he doing research for this episode in particular really frustrated me mm-hmm. in the sense that um it really tore down the image of David Lee Roth that I had in my right. head. This this super cool nostal- nostalgic image of him, mm-hmm. you know, in his spandex jumping off stage risers and being super cool and, you know, yeah. these really funny videos that he would do. And I watched all the videos again and I'm like, they're really not, they're not funny. No. And in one article I read, um, it was... It was the article from Vulture that I forgot who, I forgot the name of the author of it, but he was describing how he went to see Van Halen with David Lee Roth. Yeah. I think it was only last year or something like that. 2012, 2015. Something was, like that. It was somewhere after I think releasing was, their latest album. Yeah, it was sometime in the last couple of years he went to see them. And it was just kind of like, yeah, everybody w- was there for a nostalgia trip, but yeah. it was... When you look at the reality of it, it's a bunch of old guys doing Aww. stuff on stage that they shouldn't be doing. You might break a hip. Like, and a, and Eddie a already has a fake one. Well, if you break a hip at that age, it's kind of a death sentence. <laughs> Pretty much. But there was one quote on there that really summed up how I was feeling towards looking back on David Lee Roth yeah. and all of his antics and how... He, as a person now, relates to who he was back then. He says he was like Wooderson from Dazed and Confused. The guy who can't move on from high school and makes you increasingly uncomfortable with his talk of finger-banging teenagers. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, he's the guy who thinks he's really funny, but the guy who thinks he's really funny isn't Isn't funny. funny. And that's how David Lee Roth makes me yeah, feel now. If you're funny, you have to have a level of self-deprecation that David Lee Roth is incapable of. Yeah. And so this, he's not funny. And this is why I have zero defense for David Lee Roth. Oh, we'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. You'll fight. Yeah, like, there's there's plenty of I mean there's plenty of defense. There's plenty that I've had I'll have to yeah, fight against. Yeah. I mean despite the fact that my whole cool dude image of him yeah from when i was a kid is completely torn down there's still something about him and especially about him in the late 70s and early 80s that is still so awesome right to me he's despite the fact that he to be honest he wasn't that great of a singer no I, and a lot of his vocals in the early 80s 
were really carried by Michael Anthony's background oh, harmonies. Yeah. He is extremely underrated in that sense. Right. But just he really wasn't that great of a singer and he wasn't really that great of a songwriter. But out of all of that, he's still an amazing performer. And he does stick out and everybody, yes. everybody you know who David Lee Roth is. He knows how to get your attention. Yes. He knows how to hold your attention, yes. whether it's good or bad. Right. And he he just knows how to work a stage. Right. And he knew what he had to do to get people to notice him. And noticing him, excuse me, means that his band's going to be popular. Right. So he he really took a lot of that responsibility on his shoulders when Van Halen first started becoming popular. And he, like, really did a lot to have, get them... Some kind of notoriety and like. Yeah, so I feel like you're kind of breaking <laughs> into your case for David Lee Roth. At I this kind point. of, yeah. Like oh, you might as well just just go right into it, and then I can go into just Sammy, and then my case for Sammy. <laughs> well, well, it's fine. There's no, there's we're not married to any fucking setup here. No, we can keep going. No, no, yeah, no, fucking. So, what is your case then for David Lee Roth? Is it just the the front man, the the ability? Basically, to... I think it's all about. He's an amazing performer, and I think he's a much better performer than Sammy Hagar is. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to try and defend. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try and counts. But he was, he was a really great performer, and everybody remembers him. Yeah. That's, All right. That's pretty much what I got. <laughs> that's what I got. That's pretty much what I got. Everybody knows David Lee Roth. Yeah. He was a real cool guy. <laughs> If you can stand him. Oh, you can stand being in the same room as him. Unfortunately for his fans, most people don't get to stay in a room with him. Yeah. So it's pretty only, easy to have only, this idea that David Lee Ross just this real cool guy. Yeah. Only one out of the 50 given a pass could actually stay the night with him. So sexy times with yeah. David Lee Roth. Ooh. Maybe young David Lee Roth. Things would have been different if we were teenagers in the 80s. Uh. All right, I guess I'll jump into just my Sammy stuff then. <laughs> Have fun. Oh. <laughs> the Guy Fieri of the rock world, Sammy Hagar. Which, did you know that Guy Fieri and Sammy Hagar are friends? Oh, really? Uh-huh. I bet you they share wardrobe. Oh, and I think he helped... Sammy Hagar released a cookbook, and I'm pretty sure Guy Fieri helped him with it. Oh. Also, the guy from Smash Mouth. <laughs> They're all the same person. They're all the same person. Are they different? <laughs> Or are they all the same guy? Oh my god. I'm pretty sure. You know what? It's the Illuminati. <laughs> I figured it all out, guys. That's why Trump's our president. Uh, blame it on Sammy Hagar. Well, I'm t- god damn it. I just set myself up to fail. All right. So Sammy Hagar joins the band in 1985. It's kind of a fun story because Eddie was griping to his mechanic about the recent departure of Dave. And his mechanic suggested another client of his, Sammy Hagar. Not just any mechanic, though. They're Lamborghini mechanic. Ooh, I got a Lamborghini mechanic. Hey, you know, that guy's probably making bank at least. Good for him. So Eddie actually did know Sammy because of his time in Montrose during the 70s. So he immediately calls Sammy and says, hey, you want to join the band? Sammy's like, all right. Because Sammy was pretty keen on the idea. He was done being the fearless leader, doing the solo act. He was sick of having to do everything by himself and make all these decisions. He thought the idea of creating a record and going on tour with the rest of Van Halen was way more exciting 
than another solo album. Is it though? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, because a year later, they released the album 5150 and began touring. And the next 10 years with Sammy would bring the band a total of four number one albums and many successful tours. Uh, but unsurprisingly, history will repeat itself. <laughs> because nothing can last forever in Van Halen! <laughs> so, tensions had been running high between Sammy and Eddie since the recording of their 1995 album, Balance. They couldn't see eye to eye with any of the songs, and then followed that with a grueling tour for, for the album, and then the death of their longtime manager, Ed Leffler. And then they replaced the manager with... Alex Van Halen's brother-in-law, whose name I can't remember for life of me right now, so I apologize. And that guy just did not like Sammy, and Sammy didn't like him. I think Sammy didn't like the fact she was really becoming like a big family thing, and they would all bond together. You mean and he, he didn't appreciate the nepotism? He was like, I'm not really big on this nepotism, guys. No, and they're like, well, say. it's my brother-in-law, so you gotta be okay with it. <laughs> He's, like, hey. He's unemployed. He needs a job. He needs a job real bad. <laughs> After the tour, the Van Halen brothers immediately went back into the studio, claiming that they had to make money. We gotta make money! And Sammy said, but we don't need to make any more money. We're fine, guys. It's we fine. literally have a Lamborghini mechanic. Yeah, I think we're okay. However, at the time, Eddie was definitely going through a heavy alcohol problem. Oh, yeah. So alcohol is expensive. I'll give yeah. him that. Also, though... Oh, sorry. Oh, no. I was just going to say, Sammy also wanted to spend time with his wife and his newborn daughter, because they had all agreed, all right, after this tour, we're going to take a little breaky break. It's going to be fine. But then, all of a sudden, after the tour's over, Eddie changed his mind and said, no, I want to do songs for the Twister soundtrack, and I want to put out Grace Hits. And Sammy's like, but I, I just want to... Can I take a shit? Can I just... For a minute? And Eddie's like, no. Me. No shit <laughs> no on shit my watch. On my watch. <laughs> Fucking Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> Eddie was frustrated because Sammy never did what he asked him to do, but he was also not pleased that Sammy was recording new songs for a contract fulfilling solo best of album, but objected to doing a Van Halen greatest hits collection with his own new songs. Which, arguably okay. I mean, if you're going to do new songs for your own best of album, then you should be down for doing new songs for a Van Halen best of. Yeah, I suppose. But he was also, he might not have even wanted to do that. Yeah. It's just, it was a contractually obligated thing he had to do. Right. So he might have just said, look, I've got to, I've already got to use up a lot of my creativity to shit out some songs for this best of. I really right. don't think I can do it twice. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I do kind of see Eddie's side of it, though. Yeah. Um, it all came to a head at one phone call on Father's Day, where according to Eddie, he told Sam that if he wanted to do solo stuff again, he has to be a team player. He's got to record shit for both his best of and their best of. You can't have it just one way. Can't have your cake and eat it too, apparently. Okay, fine. Which arguably, I think if you're going to do both, that is having your cake and eating it too, but whatever. Yes. <laughs> then Sammy told him he was sick of being in a band and wanted to go back to solo work and quit the band. Eddie made the whole situation sound very cordial, though. Like, hey, I don't want you to do this. Hey, I don't want to be in the band anymore. All right, you know what? Let's go our separate ways. Okay, okay. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> Sammy had a very different recollection of events. Actually, they had a giant argument about how Sammy wanted to take a break and he was sick of this and he didn't want to record all these new songs for Van Halen. And Eddie said, well, you better fucking do it. You're not going to do it. Fuck you. You're fired. 
and he fired him. So, unsurprisingly, I guess that didn't really pan out. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> I don't fucking, I don't fucking know. <laughs> Just, this is such, like, a pattern of everybody lying. Yes. And who the fuck do you believe? Yeah. Who you d- are you, you supposed don't. to believe? Uh, arguably, I'm tending to take Sammy's side because... Uh, for what it's worth, Eddie is a kind was a raging alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I could see him getting mad. I could see him. Kinda... I can also see him not recollecting things right correctly. Right. So, but again, you never know who to really side for. He'd have to be a fly on the wall with that fucking conversation. So, right. I don't know. But after Van Halen, you know, he leaves and. He does his own solo thing again and and is moderately successful with it, actually. He, you know, ends up hitting the top 20 rock charts. With what? With his solo (laughs) albums. With There's two albums, Marching to Mars and Red Voodoo. He creates a, basically a permanent backup band called the Wabaritas. Oh. Mm -hmm. But it's actually kind of a cool band because it's, you know, he's like, I want this cool black guy and I want a chick bassist. And I'm like, from the mid-90s. That's pretty... All right. I'll give it to you. Okay, that's fine. And he also toured a lot with Michael Anthony because Michael Anthony and Sammy Hagar became best friends. Yep. They were both not having the Van Halen brothers shit. Man, Michael Anthony really got fucked. Michael Anthony got super fucked by the Van Halen brothers. Yeah. Just in general. And so Sammy Hagar definitely said, no, man, we're cool. We're friends. It's fine. Like, basically the same thing that happened with... David Lee Roth and with Sammy Hagar happened with Michael Anthony for the most part. Right. And this was actually in the mid 2000s, I want to say. Yeah, something Um, along those lines. He and Sammy were hanging out more often. Yup. And um, he started playing with Sammy in his band. Yup. And then I think Eddie just didn't like it. Nope. And was, and basically... You don't need to come back. Yeah, basically just fired him without telling him he was fired. And then Van Halen, or they they did another, um, they put out an album in like 2012. 2000. Or are you talking about an earlier? Yeah, maybe it was 2012. The one Damn, with- I am getting my dates. The, so mixed up. The one with, uh, the newer one with David? Yeah, that was yes. 2012. Yes, they were was. They were trying to schedule the tour for that and michael anthony was still technically in the band at this point but they scheduled this whole tour without telling michael anthony any of it yep. and then announced the tour with eddie's son wolfgang eddie's as son wolfgang as the bassist yep and michael anthony found out about it on the internet that's a fun way to find that out, isn't it? Yeah. That's a that's a jolly old time. <laughs> when Uncle I, Anthony. And then when I was trying to like figure out like the reasons why There's Eddie not decided really a reason. Mike the only thing Michael Anthony could think of was that because Eddie was pissed off at Sammy at one point right. for having his tequila business. <laughs> Michael Anthony thought Eddie was pissed at him for having a hot sauce business. <laughs> 
he's like, I mean, maybe he's that petty, though. I can see Eddie Van Halen being that fucking petty. I seriously can. I absolutely can. Oh, my God. Well, all right. So here's my, my, my fight for Sammy Hagar. And I'm saying this, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) Sammy Hagar is objectively a better musician. A hundred percent. I absolutely agree with you. (laughs) He, I can't even, I can't even argue for David Lee Roth. I can't. can't. Because, all right, I'm going to go through, I'm going to go through the list, man. All right, first of all, he's definitely got an amazing range. He has a much better range than Dave ever could have. He can hit those high notes and he can hit them strong. Mm -hmm. You can tell that's just in his, or his fucking workhouse, you know? Wheelhouse. Wheelhouse? Got it. That's it. You got it. (laughs) Workhouse. (laughs) Coin it, new phrase, workhouse. Workhouse. So, on tours when Sammy was still touring with Van Halen, he would actually do tons of Roth songs. Really? Would, yeah. Oh, yeah. He would do, they would actually do a ton of their old songs back in the mid 80s and even the 90s. They huh. would hit him up. And of course, Sammy had no problem hitting those songs. He could well, do them real of easy. Of course not. But as far as I know, to this day, David Lee Roth has never done a Sammy Hagar song. Right. He says it's a credibility issue and like they're not, the fans don't want to hear the Hagar song. It's songs. because he can't hit he those can't high notes. He can't fucking hit the high notes. There's no fucking way. No, he can't. There's no way. He doesn't he have know, the range. And he range. knows he doesn't have the range and no. he just blames it on, well, the fans don't want to hear it. That's not true. There's plenty of Van Hagar fans and who go to the Van Roth concerts and want to hear it. I would love to hear David Lee Roth try and do a Sammy Hagar song. I would absolutely love it. That'd be great. But he's never going to do it. He's never Never going to do it. it. So never going to do it. Never going to do it. It's not (laughs) happening. So also I'm going to make the argument that Van Halen's music got better and more complex. They definitely tried newer things without it being there can't be different stuff. Yeah. Look, I'm 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 going in my argument against David Lee Roth with this statement. <laughs> Look, I'm all for bands trying new things, but when Van Halen tried their hand at those old timey songs, like you know Big Bad Bill or whatever, yeah, they did a uh, Pretty Woman, and I didn't even mind that because at least they kind of put a rock twist on it when they would do their covers. At least you know I'm like, all right, well, it's like a rock twist to it, but. I didn't like like the cheesy yeah. 20s sounding songs because you feel like they should be tongue in cheek. They should be like, oh, look, we're funny. They mm-hmm. should be hidden tracks. They should be last tracks. But they're not. Well, that's They take I... them completely seriously. They're yeah. like, look, take us seriously. How can you have on an album with fucking, you know, you have these hard goddamn songs like running with the devil and then all of a sudden you got yeah clarinet solo you can't i'm sorry again i'm all about bands trying new things but they didn't understand anything about placement anything about um just the timing of things and they would just slap it on in the middle of an album and you're like this is not a good song for i'm i'm jacked i'm ready to fucking go yeah and now you're slowing me down with a goddamn acoustic guitar 1940s kind of swing thing no yeah i don't want to hear that right now (laughs) you know for all the arguments that people make about van roth how can you listen to an album where in the middle of it you're like oh they're skippable songs Mm -hmm. so they're trying this new stuff but it's not it's not right 
And that's where you can definitely tell where David Lee Roth's influence is all over Van Halen. Oh, as 100%. opposed to Sammy Hagar's influence well, all over. And so that's just it. David, oh wait, David. David. David, <laughs> David and Edward. Oh, yes. oh. You sound like that asshole <laughs> that fucking wrote that book that I tried so hard to read. It was, it was it called was Running, Running with, with the, the Devil, Devil, right? And it was written by their old tour manager. And this guy was just fucking jacking himself off through the whole goddamn book. Word on but the street he kept is you calling everybody through the. He kept calling everyone by their full first names. David! He recalled a conversation he had with Eddie once, where Eddie was super homesick and he just wanted to go home. And he literally goes up to him and goes, Now, Edward. <laughs> what's the matter edward and i'm like oh my fucking god i'm done with this book i can't no i'm done so don't don't listen to that i got through seven of the 20 chapters i'm like fucking done i wonder i wonder if reading it would have been less insufferable than listening to it i did listen to the audiobook and i don't know who was narrating it but he was pretty cheesy oh so it's rough it's hard to hear it Anyway, I so would have rolled my eyes into the back of my skull yeah, just as many times if I read it. Yeah, sometimes reading it doesn't help. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But, so back to my argument. Yes, so sorry. No, that's all right. <laughs> Tangents galore. We've been drinking. So, look, Dave never let Eddie do what he wanted. You know, Eddie would say, let's try this. And Dave would always shoot him down like, nah, man, that's not what we're doing. But if Dave came up with the idea, it was different. But is that really true? Because this is where I don't know if I can really trust what Eddie says. Because mm. how did Dave have that much influence over Eddie when when Sammy was in the band? Eddie was like, nope, it's my way, my way or the highway. That's it. And then he fires Sammy. And, the, and then Sammy it was, was literally the highway. Well, I'm pretty sure now we know that both times Eddie probably just fired Dave and Sammy. I'm pretty sure Eddie just fired. we come to the agreement that Eddie fires everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. At least we can agree on that. But their music got more complex. It got better. Because, yes, Dave could play guitar, but he didn't really do it. Whereas Sammy, if he wanted... If, if Eddie said play guitar in the same like, all right. I'll yeah. Play. Because he... Not only played guitar, he played it well. Yes. He was very well trained in it. I mean, he had years of his own solo career. So he came in with all this solo experience and could be like, yeah, I'll do whatever the fuck you need me to do. Whereas David Lee Roth literally failed auditions. And the only reason he was let into the band was because he had a banging PA system. Money! Basically. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we'll throw that out there. And, you know, for what it's worth, and here... This can be debated, and it's going to be probably... All right. Van Halen never managed to hit a number one album until Hagar joined the group. 5150 went straight to number one. It's a great album. It has great songs on it, and Even it went there. 1984, 1984 didn't go because Thriller was in number one right? spot, and nothing could knock Thriller out. Something had to eventually. It did, and I can't remember what I it can't was. either. But hold up, though. You, you can make that argument, but... That's also after six albums with Roth. Yep. One album with Hagar, and it goes number one. And let's also stop for a second. Wouldn't you think that, here's the thing, Van Halen gets rid of Roth, people are probably pissed, people already have their opinions about Sammy Hagar because he's been a solo artist. Mm -hmm. So 
you would think if people didn't want to hear Sammy Hagar, his album would not go to number one. Right. But it did. So, you know what? Thanks, Sammy Hagar. Finally, we get a number one album with a lot of great singles off of it. And arguably, and I'm doing a terrible job defending <laughs> David Lee Roth here, but... This is going to become the... We're really trying to make a case for Van Hagar. I'm trying. <laughs> um, also, let's talk about the music videos. The music videos under Sammy Hagar actually had depth and meaning to them. The, the music videos with... David Lee Roth were basically just them playing on a stage and him, David Lee Roth, Look how awesome that shoving am. his fucking wiener in the camera and right. just like literally like grabbing the camera to put it on his face. Although literally. I could say Hot for Teacher was fun. Hot for Teacher was okay. It was very much the brainchild of David Lee Roth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it, it just had that quote-unquote humor <laughs> that he tried <laughs> so hard to imbue on everything that he did. Guys, I'm wacky. It's, Ooh, but, like, yeah. I'm worried about Look you. Look at how funny I am, except you're making <laughs> us feel really awkward because oh, you're not no. funny. Yeah. <sighs> um... But yeah, it was it was very similar to the California Girls and Justin Gigolo oh my videos. God, videos. Very, very similar. But I mean, if you want some 80s goddamn nostalgia, oh, you look Christ. up a Van Halen or a David Lee Roth video. Oh, I'll bring you right back. I, I listened to it, or I watched it yesterday, and I'm like, the Justin Gigolo video is funny in a very... Um, this is kind of embarrassing kind of way. Right. It's not so cringeworthy. Right. Because it does, I will say, in that video, he does kind of seem like he's poking fun at himself. I think it's yeah. the one of the few times that I do feel like David Lee Roth was like, you know what? Maybe I am kind of a joke. Yeah. And like not taking himself so seriously. Right. He really took himself seriously. Oh, he really does. As though. much of a weirdo and a goofball as he was, he took himself so seriously. <sighs> I'm a serious goofball. God damn it. <laughs> serious goofball. Serious Where's goofball. Wears ridiculous outfits. Oh my God. Ridiculous tattoos. But back to the videos with. <laughs> we haven't even touched on the Sammy. tattoos. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> so I just wanted to touch on the Right Now music video because I think that's what everybody can remember from the Van Hagar that era. Was- I, it's a, it yeah. was a, you know, MTV when fucking videos were hot. Bitches loved their MTV music videos. Mm-hmm. And right now was a very thought provoking video because, you know, honestly, they had blurps in there. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. It's, it's a really good video. Uh, but quick description. It's kind of just little clips of just random videos and then little words over them to say like right now this is happening kind of thing it was almost like one of those truth commercials yeah um, but in a music video with like they had a lot of like facts about like homelessness yeah they would have terms like right now someone is working too hard for minimum wage or right now old men and oil companies are in control or this is this shit that hey guess what still relevant still relevant still relevant or my favorite Right now, she is going on with her life. She is. Yes. Yes, hair's It's a video of a woman tearing up a picture of a shitty guy. Yeah. So it's fucking, all right. Also, my favorite part about that video is there's at least four or five blurps about safe sex. They, Van Halen, during at least the Van Hagar era, was like, fucking wrap it up, bitches. I feel like that's kind wrap of a subliminal up. jab at David Lee Roth. Oh, <laughs> 
Dave, how many illegitimate children do you have? I don't know. <laughs> how many STDs do you have? Eleven. Oh. <laughs> There's this new one that they can't really place yet. <laughs> it's like a combination of three of them. It's oh. a super STD. Oh. SSTD. <laughs> Named it after him. Yay! Good job, David Lee Ross. <sighs> Good job. Also, another argument I'd like to make for Sammy Hagar, and I think you can agree with this. And I've agreed with everything. That's so true. Far. That's true. I have not really had to convince you. No. I'm really working to convince the listener right now. Yeah. And there will be listeners who say, who gives a shit about this? But I give a shit about this. And I maybe give a sh- there will be listeners who give a shit. You'll give a shit about this. Give- and there might be listeners who say, you know what? I agree with that. Sammy just wasn't a giant douchebag. He, he was DLR, a- Diamond Dave, kind of a douchebag. I, I would no, I would argue against that. About in being some, a douchebag? In some respects. He was a piece of shit womanizer. He wasn't as much of a douchebag then. <laughs> He's a piece of shit womanizer. Yeah, there are videos of him being kind of gross with women. Absolutely, 100%. When it came to... I think when it came to women, we can generally say that Dave and Sammy probably on the same level. Really? Oh, I mean, like, as far as how they treated them, maybe? All right. Here's my thing. Sammy, I think, was better to the fans than Dave was. Yes. Because, so, during one of their tours in the 80s, Dave was would do this thing where he would say, Hey, this asshole spilled his beer on me. He would stop in the middle of a fucking song to say... Hey, this asshole spilled his beer on me. This but is David okay. Lee Roth. This is David Lee Roth. Uh-huh. But it's okay because I'm gonna fuck his girlfriend later tonight. Yeah! Uh. And I thought that was just a... In the article I was reading, the guy said, I thought that was just a one-time occurrence. Turned out he did it at every stop every on the tour. <laughs> that was that was Dave's little shtick. Waka waka. Uh. This asshole spilled beer on me. I'm gonna fuck his girlfriend. Whereas... One time when when Sammy was in Van Halen, I guess Eddie, in a drunken stupor, smashed up his guitar and just threw the debris all over the people in the crowd. And Sammy yelled at him later and said, dude, it's so disrespectful to our fans. And you're a drunken hot mess. Oh, and you could have hurt somebody. He was kind of being a dad. About it. He's band was, dad. He was band Sammy dad. Sammy was band dad. He was. But I mean... I think it was it was during their last tour together in the 90s, so I think he was a dad at this point, so maybe that just gives you a different perspective. Yeah. I don't know. But he definitely yelled at Eddie. That actually turned out being one of their final straws with Sammy, because he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're just a fucking drunk asshole. And he's like, shut up, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, when Van Halen was going to be inducted, not even was going to be, when Van Halen was inducted into the Hall of Fame, the only people from the band who showed up were Sammy Hagar and, and Michael, Michael Anthony. Anthony. Fucking. And I don't think either oh. one of them were really in the band at this point. Yeah. Or like their their status in the band was completely up in the air. Right. Because I, I, fuck, I didn't put what year it was. But it might have been right around the time. Because Sammy did do some kind of tour with Van Halen in the mid-2000s. And it might have been around then. And Michael Anthony might have still kind of been in a band. Yeah, 2002 was when Sammy and Dave went on tour oh, together. We'll get to that. Yeah. But, so, 
they they go to the hall rock and roll hall of fame they do their thing apparently eddie didn't show up because he was too busy being a raging alcoholic alex stayed behind for support for his brother which all right i'll give it to you dave was upset because they wouldn't let him do his performance so he decided that it wasn't worth him showing up that is a good decision on the part of the rock and roll hall of fame (laughs) no dave we've seen you come and show no, up for okay. Van Halen performances. Stop it. Yeah, because at that point, uh, David Lee Roth really wasn't doing a whole lot of, like, good stuff. He no. was doing some weird shit. Yeah, he was basically doing viral videos before videos yeah, were viral. Like, um, well, f- after he... After he was done with his whole solo thing, I mean, granted, his solo career was actually fairly successful, while while Sammy and, and Van Halen were having a much more successful oh, time. Yes. Arguably way more successful. <laughs> um, David Lee Roth was doing his own thing. He got like Steve Vai to be in his his band and he released like a few albums, but then in nineteen ninety three he was busted for buying ten dollars worth of pot in Washington Square Park in you know New York what? City. I'm going to be on Dave's side for that because stop. Stop <laughs> it. Yeah. Stop Stupidest it, government. Thing ever. Stop it, law enforcement. But it's fucking pot. He had like a minuscule amount of pot on him. Stop. A ridiculously small amount of pot on him. And he said, uh, he he basically said he made a rookie mistake trying to buy pot in a very touristy area where he knew there would be cops around. Oh my god. I don't know why he did it then. No. Nope. But he fucking did it. But charges were dropped because the judge was just like, this is stupid. This is Good. ridiculous. Good. Thank you, judge. So he did Perhaps that in 93. Famous. In 95, he tried to do a Vegas show. And everyone was like, no. Oh no. Oh, no. no. And nobody saw it. Oh, and it was yeah. just bad. I'm not surprised. Um, why would anybody see that? And then... They tried to, Van Halen tried to make attempts to reunite with him in 96 and 2000. Yes. And it never worked out. Mm-mm. Um, 1996. Ooh, I forgot to mention Ooh, this. that was the fucking music award. That awards. was the infamous uh, MTV Music Video Award. Yup. Uh, fiasco. That was a fucking fiasco. That was a hot mess. And but it was, it was so weird because it, there's all of these like, totally ambiguous insinuations that they were going to get back together. Right, right. But, like, they didn't really even know if they were getting back together. Like, I think it had been talked about. Yeah. Like, like I think there were negotiations beginning. They they had reconnected. Because yes. at this point, Sammy was out. Right. And they... Well, I've heard that Sammy wasn't even totally out at this point. It's another one... <laughs> it's another one of those... Who really knows what was going on? Nobody will ever really fucking know. Yeah. Because I had heard Sammy wasn't 100% out. Yeah. Like, they had just had that argument or whatever. Or yeah. they were having arguments. Like, like I don't think argument. Sammy knew it was really official official until the whole David Lee Roth thing. Right. You know what? Van Halen's just really good at ghosting each other. So They're real stupid. good at it. Eddie is just real good at being like, well, I don't fucking want him in I'm the just band. not going to talk to him anymore. I'm just not going to talk to him. go. Like, go fuck yourself, man. <laughs> but anyway. So Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen, a master class in ghosting. <laughs> the original ghoster. Oh, uh, OG ghoster. OG. 
The G stands for ghoster. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so the 1996 MTV Music Award incident. Mm. So they had been, there was a possibility of David Lee Roth coming back in possibly as a singer and doing a reunion. Right. Even though nobody really knows if Sammy was out at that point. So they go on the MTV Awards together. With David Lee Roth, the original lineup, y'all, and everyone's losing their fucking shit Everybody's because like, oh yeah, Van Roth, and I very much remember watching this. Oh, I didn't have on cable. TV. I was watching PBS. <laughs> fucking cave I was, people. I was, I was a fucking cave person. We didn't have a microwave. <laughs> I didn't have cable. I was watching PBS all the time. Watch a fucking Wishbone and Blackadder. That was my fucking life. Is fucking 1996. Roman Atkinson is a treasure. He really is, though. He's amazing. Goddamn treasure. Did you ever see the uh, special that they would air sometimes of him doing his, like, stand-up thing? No. Oh, my. I'm going to have to show this to you. because You are. Anyway, this is besides the point. It's okay. I'll cut this out. (laughs) (laughs) Don't leave it in. Roman Atkinson is a treasure. We'll have an episode about Roman Atkinson. Rowan Atkinson. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I knew I was saying it wrong. Anyway, so the MTV Music Video Awards. Um, so they all came out on stage together. Mm-hmm. Everybody lost their shit. Yes. Because everybody was like, holy shit, David Lee Roth is back and they're yeah. getting back together and this is going to be great. Yeah. So they're on stage and waxing. I think they were, were they, they were giving Beck the award for best video or something. Yeah, I but think. they like jibber jabbered beforehand about how it's so great to be back together. Yeah, and, blah, 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 and by they jibber jabbered, you mean David Dave- Lee Roth came up and said, "Wow, this is about me." Yeah. <laughs> While Eddie stood on the side wearing overalls, oh, overalls. and no shirt underneath, with his them. fucking arms folded, looking at the ground, kicking it, going, literally kicking to dirt, really? literally kicking dirt. Oh, no, so good. <laughs> so they present the award to Beck, who wins like best male performance or something, something. or best video or video of the year, best video, yeah, video of the year for where it's at. Yeah, it was best video or something like that for where it's at. Wow, we're old. I know, right? Well, <laughs> Was, I read that, that and I was like, where it's... 22 years like, where, ago. Where It's At came out in 1996. Are you fucking Arguably, kidding me? Arguably, I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is, I got two turntables and a microphone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My hips so, hurt. Thinking about it. So, uh, yeah, they, they gave the award to Beck. And then... You you can literally see, if you watch a video of this, I'm sure it's on YouTube, you can see Beck withholding a statue at the microphone, <laughs> giving his acceptance speech, and right behind him, you see David Lee Roth literally doing a jig. Oh, stop like, it! It's crazy. Like, pointing at people like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm, I'm David so Lee Roth. I'm David Lee Roth. People fucking love me. <laughs> you know that's going through his head. Oh. So, <laughs> you can just see, literally right behind Beck's face is David Lee Roth just fucking pointing at people. Oh, stop it. And, uh, Eddie was really pissed off at him for this because he was like, you are a complete embarrassment and you embarrassed all of us. Well, this is why you aren't in the band anymore. Yeah, this is exactly what happened, That's you know, why. 10, 
12, 12 years ago. Whatever years ago, yeah. This is why you're not in the band anymore. Oh, yeah. And apparently they had like kind of a press conference right afterwards and they people were asking them if they were going on tour or if there was a new album or they were reunited. And even though apparently they had talked about this beforehand and there was a big possibility that they were going to record or go on tour... Eddie basically said, well, I need a hip replacement, so probably not. Nope. <laughs> not doing it. And David Lee Roth is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, we just talked about this. Apparently, they almost came to blows over it. Oh like, God. somebody had to, like, restrain Eddie because he was going to beat the shit out of David Lee Roth. And that's why they weren't together anymore. Yeah. It's nice to be reminded. So that ended before it even started. Oh, Yeah. 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 And then they tried again in 2000, but... That didn't work. It didn't work. And then Sammy went with them, I guess, from like 2002 or 2003 to about 2004. I think it was 2003 to 2004 or something about the, along those lines. Yep. Something like that. And then um, uh, David Lee Roth also wrote an autobiography. Guess what it was called? Oh my God. Wasn't it like crazy... Crazy Heat? Crazy, crazy from, the, from heat. the Heat. That's right. Which is apparently what he names everything. <laughs> I'm David Lee Roth. I'm crazy from the heat. I do cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little bit more Little John than anything. No, it's it's Dr. Rock. So yeah. He does cocaine. If any of you don't know what the fuck we're talking about when we say Dr. Rock, so watch Metalocalypse. Oh my God, watch Metalocalypse. It's on Hulu. Just do yourself a favor. a fucking amazing character called Dr. Rock, so that is based off of David Lee Roth, and it is a scary, accurate picture. It is so on point. It's terrifying. It's amazing, though. Well, I guess uh, I'm thinking maybe we should go back, get a little bit more streamlined again. And just try to make a musical defense of each of our our choices here. Uh, whereas, we could do that. Yeah. Because they're, 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 you know, if you're not gonna... Maybe we're not making a strong enough case, you could definitely hear the songs. So, I mean, if you want to give us a reason why you think David Lee Roth is musically... My, my musical defense? Yes. Give me your musical defense of David Lee Roth. I'm going to have to go with Running With The Devil. Alright. Which, that works with our beer. I will say, Running with the Devil is a pretty fucking solid song. It's a pretty choice song. It's, it's real good. Arguably my favorite uh, Van Halen song, but Hot for Teacher is definitely a close second. I do love Hot for Teacher. Um, Even though I don't care how immature and juvenile it is, it's fun. It's so it's so fun. And I think Jump is a is my third. Hot take Maggie fact. Jump was the number one song the week I was born. Aww. It's legitimately about a guy jumping off a bridge. Yep. Yep. That's also another fun fact. You know, also is a fun Brought fact. Brought the mood right back down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to keep the mood down by giving you my defense against David Lee Roth. Okay. 
I really wanted to pick the whole entire album of Diver Down because the whole fucking thing is phoned in. It's and you can really, tell. It's yeah. not, there's nothing really good on it. There's, it's, I think the only good songs were their cover songs on it. It's just, it's a rough fucking album, start to finish. But I ended up going with Push Comes to Shove from Fair Warning. terrible song but yeah you can't that's, not that's my defense you can't not move your head and yeah your you do kind of get some swag going on yeah like, oh, yeah but then he starts singing and you're like and you're like what the fuck are you Ooh, doing what are you doing here's the thing it's Ooh, i guess wee. you're trying you're, Ooh, <laughs> wee, i'm trying i'm trying it just it doesn't even sound like david lee roth it's just a mr meeseeks trying real hard to be david lee roth <laughs> at a disco is there a lame attempt at disco and i yeah. emphasize emphasize the word lame Especially because at that point, disco was pretty it was much... It was, it was real dead. dead. It was dying. I don't think it was full out dead yet. But I kind but, of feel like that's David Lee Roth's thing. He, like, grabs something. He just beats the living shit oh, out yeah, of it, but he like, won't let it go. Bad. I'm going to keep doing it. So, I th- you th- yeah, he was doing it's that just, with disco. <laughs> it's just... It's so boring. You can tell Dave's bored singing it. He can't hit the high notes he's trying to hit. Yeah. And it's just... And Eddie's trying to soup it up with a little guitar, but it still just sounds phoned in. And he's not even really... He's trying to be impressive, but he's not. The whole bridge is just David Lee Roth in the background just whispering, Push. Shove. And you're like, what are you doing? What is this song? If you're going to try something new, at least try. Yeah. And that's... My argument against Van Roth <laughs> is that fucking song. And I'd like to think others can agree with me. Yeah. Now let me just scoot into my musical defense of Sammy Hagar. That's Dreams off of the album 5150 by Van Halen. Uh, not called Higher, which was what I totally thought it was thought called. thought it was Higher. <laughs> For the longest time, I was like, oh, it's Higher. No, You know it's what? Not. I'm going to keep calling it Higher. Yeah, because, I mean, that's that's the chorus. But it's a great song. It really ex- like just shows, holy shit, Sammy Hagar's got that fucking range. It's got a super sweet guitar solo from Eddie Van Halen in it. You know, and got that sweet synth. 
you know, synthesizers. It's got everything in it. I didn't want to pick it because I feel like that's kind of the quintessential classic Sammy Hagar pick. That and probably like right now and you know a couple others but i just i love it and it was one of the songs it was the song that made me realize oh shit there's been more than one singer for van halen huh gary who what who's gary gary who's gary (laughs) i don't know gary that's my answer hashtag i don't know gary i don't know gary (laughs) so um my my argument against Sammy is gonna be it's gonna be a um Sammy solo song. Oh. Interesting. So because his solo stuff is hilarious. It's yeah. So two words. Mas tequila. Look, it means more tequila, which, as I'm approaching my mid-30s, I can't drink no. any moss. No. So I think my biggest argument against Sammy Hagar is, first of all, he now looks like Guy Fieri. Oh, yeah. No, he really does, He though. dresses like Guy Fieri. Not only does he dress like Guy Fieri, but pretty much everything he wears is either yellow or red one could together one could argue though that he's bringing you to the flavor town of rock and roll he's bringing me to the mcdonald's with his (laughs) ronald mcdonald guy fieri wardrobe (laughs) he is guy fieri dressed up as ronald mcdonald playing guitar drinking tequila I feel like you picked that song because you know I fucking hate tequila and I just can't find a defense how can I I can't pick any Sammy Hagar song post Van Halen that doesn't have to do with tequila. Yeah, he really, once he discovered Cabo Wabo, he really derailed from life. He went full on fucking agave mister with that shit. Yeah, Mr. Agave. Oh, guys, I found the best tequila. And I just sit there and say, I still can't drink it. I don't want any. The smell of tequila makes me throw up in my mouth. Yeah, it's hard for me to even drink margaritas sometimes. Yeah, it's gotta be a go fucking margarita. Yeah. It's a fucking choice shit. God damn it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he really... I don't know what the fuck, because he definitely went from being like... You know what? Say what you want. I think he went from being a pretty cool hard rocker to all of a sudden he's like... Walking ketchup and mustard packets? Like the Jimmy Buffett. He wishes he was Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> he has nothing on Margaritaville. But he, he wants to wishes. so bad. He does. He really does. No. Oh. Sorry. He's he's like grungy Margaritaville. So, you know, for what it's worth, Dave and Sammy kind of saw eye to eye when they decided to go on to... Kind of? When they decided... <laughs> To go on the fucking heavyweight champs of rock and roll tour. 
back in the early 2000s. 2002. Yes. And Dave and fucking Sammy toured together, <laughs> which I I don't know. I, I don't have any. <laughs> I watched a video on it and it was just like a small, like maybe five or ten minute video. Oh, yeah. And it was just the two of them bitching and complaining about, about the other, other one. Yes. But them never actually talking, talking to, to each, each other. other. It's insane. How can you... Like, bicker so much about with the other person but without a- actually having any physical oh, contact. So you would have... It, I think it's on YouTube. It's like Sammy and Dave, I think it's called or something. And it's like a five-parter and they're all like five-minute videos. Mm-hmm. And it was VH1 did a special. Yes. I, it sounded like... Dave would be like, nah, man. I don't really want to talk to Sammy because he's a mess. And then Sammy would be like, I keep trying to talk to Dave, but he's a mess. <laughs> and... It, it was it was such a crazy fucking tour. Sammy decided he wanted to do it because, you know, he was hesitant, but he hoped it would encourage Van Halen to do an entire reunion tour. Yeah, they, they really... Sammy and yeah. Dave and all of Van Halen because honestly, and I still think this is true, the fans want it. Yeah. You would fucking make everybody happy. But no, <laughs> you just did it. But no, this but- didn't do anything but damage that... Pro- that- potential with sammy and with david lee roth but no gary no gary no sorry gary. gary they were gonna <laughs> alternate who opened and closed every night but they still fucking ended up bitching about yeah, it they still did yeah. yeah they still would get into fights about it sammy really wanted to do a fucking duet at least just one he said come on dave let's do a duet and then dave just never fucking agreed to do it because he'd always say Oh, my throat hurts. Oh, my back is acting up. Oh, I can't do it. Sorry, Sammy. And so, and then Dave would be like, Sammy keeps bugging me to do a duet. So, and you know what? Throughout the tour, Sammy actually received a lot of praise for how hard he rocked. He went hard for this tour. But I feel like David Lee Roth didn't pull his weight weight in that tour. And critics threw it out there and said, Roth really isn't pulling his weight. He brings out hot girls and he does his classics and he kind of just, he kind of follows a routine and that's it. Where Sammy, he was a hot, sweaty fucking mess, but he rocked. But I feel like that's kind of David Lee Roth's thing now is that he is still relying on the same old shit that Mm -hmm. he was using 30 years ago. Yeah. He's still making the same jokes. And sometimes it works, but... But you when know, you're, you're getting a newer generation who just kind of wants to see something new. Maybe us who aren't quite as old as some of your fans who are a little bit younger want to hear you have a little introspective on things. Yeah. That would be nice. Or just a little bit of evolution in not only your personality, but also your career. Yeah, and, and your music. David Lee Roth doesn't have any of that. Now, Sammy does a lot of just solo stuff now. He works actually with a lot of super groups. He's been known to do work with people like Neil Schron from Journey, Kenny Aronson from Foghat, Michael Shreve from Santana. I might have butchered your name. I'm sorry about that. Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Joe Satriani, who is... But he's... Sammy doesn't really need to go back to Van Halen. He's just kind of doing his own thing. And I think he genuinely just would like to do a Van Halen reunion for the fans. Yeah. David Lee Roth is doing a podcast. What's it called? 
remember. You forgot. I don't remember. It's Wait. okay. It doesn't matter. David it's... Lee Roth. Well, and they are still touring. Oh, it's called The Dave Show. Oh, The, the Dave, Dave Show. I think it's just The David Lee Roth Show. I could show. see that. Um, it's not good. Oh, oh, it's so bad. And he tours from time to time. And it does hit that uh, nostalgic nerve for a lot of people. So it that's does. true. So I guess with that, I we can go into closing statements if you have... Anything you'd like to say to kind of round up how you feel about David? Um, if uh, I have to choose a side here, I'm on Team Michael Anthony. Oh, yeah, Team Michael Anthony! <laughs> I'm on Team Michael Anthony. His harmonies he, are so good! He's a bitchin' fucking singer. He really is. And he is the only one that actually kind of had a level head through the, the whole thing. I'm pretty sure he was the only one that didn't really partake in all the debauchery and... All that shit. Not to say that it's a bad thing if you did. Right. No, not at all. They did. But he was like, yeah, I got this high school sweetheart over here. I'm not going to really do anything. He's a good bassist. He's a great singer. Oh, great singer. And he really got fucked. So, Team Anthony. All right. That's fair. All right. (laughs) I really went the diplomatic. Oh, you got got a whole fucking court statement. I have a court statement here. All right. All right. But... Here's where I'm coming from with this. This has been a bit of a journey for me. So I'm going to throw it right out there. Going into this, I was Team Roth. I was like, who the fuck likes Sammy Hagar? He's got a couple good songs. Yep. Whatever. I don't give a shit. Team Roth all the way. I didn't even really think that there could be an argument for Sammy Hagar. But I have listened to all of the Van Hagar discography. You I have far more dedicated than well, I. Well, I mean, we have really boring jobs, so I just put on Van yeah. Halen albums all day, and sometimes they're hard to listen done. to. I should have done that too. It's okay, you know, it's all right. I tried listening to that one audio book, and I was like, nope. nope. And you walked away, and you know what? That would make me walk away too. Yeah. But you know, so after listening to all this, I really was like, you know, Sammy does bring a depth and a complexity to music that just really wasn't there in the Roth years. I definitely see it. I think if you're going to say it's not there, you're lying to yourself. I'm just saying it. And I will also say, too, though, Van Roth has amazing party anthems. Like, they have some of the quintessential songs that you fucking need at your kegger. Yeah. If you want to drive down the fucking highway and just fucking let all the windows down and blast your music, you want to listen to Van Roth. There are some Van Hagar songs that are good for that, too, but I can totally understand. Like, Panama? Yeah, yeah. I want, if I'm if I'm fucking driving down I ninety, yeah, I'm gonna play Panama. Yeah, hundred percent. That's your soundtrack for it. But the Hagar years had these songs, but they also had songs with a lot of meaning to them. Uh, they attempted a lot of different things, and they committed to it. And I felt the commitment in their, even if it was like, "Woof, what are you doing?" <laughs> At least you are trying. You know, they continued to be successful even during the grunge years, which. Let's talk about the grunge years and how nobody wanted to hear hard rock anymore. People just wanted to hear Pearl Jam and Nirvana, stuff like that. Uh, Hole, Smashing Pumpkins. That's what people were listening to. But Van Halen still managed to be successful and have number ones in those years. They still had um, popular songs. And yeah. I think a lot of that had to do with Sammy. Because yeah. I don't know if Sammy Hagar was any kind of fan of grunge or whatever, but... I think he at least knew he knew enough to pay attention to what was popular and what was selling at least. Yeah. And their their music reflected that. 
It did. At that time. They, they understood that they kind of had to grow and change a little bit, and they did. Yeah. They really did. So, in the end, what I decided is that I've made my way into the third camp of Van Halen fans. Because <laughs> there's Van Roth, there's Van Hagar, and hey, everybody gets a chance. There is a place for Roth, and there is a place for Hagar. Yes. There's definitely a place for both. You can definitely have both. You don't need to have one or the other. I kind of don't want to have that argument with people anymore. Yeah. That's where I've come to after all of this. They can exist equally. I, think- I would like to hope that I have done justice to the Van Hagar fans. <laughs> you know, that I could come in and have an argument for them and they could say, yeah, you did us good. And that the Van Roth fans can leave this podcast and say, all right, I'm a willing, I'm a willing to give Hagar another chance. Just yeah. give him another chance. You can like them both. But I cannot say the same for Gary Sharon. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Gary. I still like Extreme, though. Yeah, Extreme's fine. I mean, that, they had, like, two songs that I, I like. But, like, I feel like I'm pretty much in that same middle ground between Van Roth and Van Hagar. Right. Because I see the benefit of David Lee Roth, and I see the benefit of Sammy Hagar. Yeah. And... They're almost two different bands at this point. They they are. And and again, though, and I'm going to always say this, you can like them both. Yeah. And it, they ha- both have their virtues. They both have their drawbacks. Yeah. 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 Just I really this, like... I just feel really bad because this doing the research for this just really tore down <laughs> your my image. my view my image of david lee roth and there's still a, a little shred of it there i there's still always going to be like a little place in my heart oh yeah but i i'm going to leave it with the 80s yes i I don't want anything to do with the David Lee Roth of the present time. No. I want and that's nothing fine. to I don't even want anything to do with the David Lee Roth of the early 2000s. Probably not even the 90s. Why not? I'm going to keep it in the 80s because right. that is where my image of him lies, that is where where it began, that's where it ends. Yeah. And that's He fair. is forever the gigolo. Yes. Of the, he 1980s. Is the 80s gigolo. And Sammy is Guy Fieri now. <laughs> he just is. But you know what? He seems like a nice enough guy. I would take him over the actual Guy, guy Fieri. Fieri. Oh, yeah. Any just day. At least he can sing. Any day. But, like, I don't want people to think that I I don't like David Lee Roth. I, I thought you were going to say, I hope people don't think I don't like Guy Fieri. <laughs> I don't like Guy Fieri, period. <laughs> you, hear it, you heard it here first, folks. I am Ashley not, does not like Guy Fieri. I am Fieri. not going to Flavortown. <laughs> I want nothing to do with your weird smash mouth hair and your ugly fucking glasses. Leave me alone, Guy Fieri. Stop Leave me it. alone. <laughs> it's like after a night of eating duck dick and drinking ranch. Look up Djibouti Dubs. Uh, the best Guy Fieri videos. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's funny that we both came in pretty strong Team Roth and we're both yeah. moving like, you know what? You know what? They're both good. Yeah. They're both worth it. They're bo- they both have their place and they both, you know, they both hold a place in our hearts. Yes. I feel like. I agree. God, 
If you have never seen the video for Just a Gigolo and California Girls, go fucking YouTube that shit. Do it. It is amazing. You know what? Yeah, you're, you know what? Your homework for this week, if you've never heard Van Halen, just look up the Best of Both Worlds album and has both Van Hagar and Van Roth. No mm-hmm. Van Sharon, because that doesn't exist in their world. <laughs> That's not um, a thing. <laughs> If you are a Van Hagar, just go listen to some Van Roth and pretend you're at a party. If you're a Van Roth, go listen to some Van Hagar and just be like, I'm looking for musical complexity. There you go. That's your homework. I've Just, I've hit all three of you kids. Do it. That's your homework for this week. Yep. I think that might that might that might round it up for guy. <laughs> that might round it up for us this week. Uh thank you all for sitting around. Oh, I almost forgot. We have a webpage up now. Oh yeah, we do. Called it's www.rockcandypodcast.com. We have an Instagram. You can look for us, Rock Candy Podcast. Please friend us. Please friend us on Instagram. Uh, we also have a Twitter at Rock Candy Pod because they will not let me fit the whole word Rock Candy Podcast on Twitter. Twitter Thanks, is Twitter. the worst. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm trying. And then we have a Facebook Rock Candy Podcast. So find us on the things. Share us with your friends. Share us with your family. Yo, you probably got a cool grandma who wants to hear us. So share us with your cool grandma. However, if your cool grandma is one of my aunts, don't share it because I swear a lot and they're not going to want to hear it. Oh, boy. Yeah, they're not. (laughs) All right. So uh, thanks for listening and party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. Good job. Yeah. And party on, you cool kids out there. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.